What is up, Mets fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Mets Up Podcast. A big postseason one here because there really hasn't been too, too much going on in Mets world. But anything that is going on, we'll talk about it, like the new Bad Bunny album dropping, a couple name references there, uh, some anniversaries, some things, housekeeping, Arizona Fall League. We're just going to talk a lot about baseball with you guys this episode, so make sure that if you do enjoy it, follow us on our social media, at Mets Up on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Subscribe to the New York Mets YouTube channel if you want to see the video version of this. And if you're listening to us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Odyssey, drop us a rating, drop us a review, download, and subscribe. James, how we doing, man? Watching some postseason baseball. Doing great. Postseason's been fun. Weather in New York's been amazing. Oh, yeah, no complaints right now at all. It's been it's been a great time. The one thing I will say, I had to, I had to turn on the heat two nights ago. I had to turn on the heat. It got down to like 63 in my apartment. It's not like I had the windows open or anything. But it just got incredibly cold. So the point where I had to turn the heat on, not happy about that. Put socks on. Let's go. Come on. You know, grow up a little bit. I, I, I'm always wearing socks. I don't really like to be barefoot in the house. It's a little wood floors. You can't be too barefoot. It's hot. I'm excited to go do some outside today after. Oh, my God. I see a cat looking in from across the street in the window. Neighbors. Really? Room. Oh, my God. I can see him clearly making eye contact. There's a new building. Up what right kind across of cat? From mine. He's like light colored. He's a little speckled. Looks like beige, sandish. He's just staring. They put a new building right across the street from me. So where I used to have great privacy, now people just see into my room. It's kind of funny. <laughs> and apparently someone moved in with a cat. But yes, that's, that's the views from Brooklyn at, uh, on Tuesday morning. Yeah, what an electric start to the podcast. A lot of... I mean, as you guys know, there's, just a lot, absolute there's, a lot, nonsense. there's a lot of the Mets stuff going on here. I mean, let's see. Just run through the Mets things quick here. First thing that happened, report came out last week that Francisco Lindor played the, basically the entire season with a bone spur in his right elbow. Dog. Yeah. Amazing. That's all we can really say. I mean, say about the fact that he was able to do the season that he had with that going on. Um, I know there's been some stuff going around baseball about, you know, people leaking things from the clubhouse. It's a safe space, it's a sanctuary. Impressive that nobody knew that this guy was hurt, apparently, and he played one of the best seasons that we've seen a shortstop have in a long time. So, yeah, shout out Francisco Lindor. Glad to see that he's expected to be ready for spring training. Uh, can't wait to see what he does without bone spurs in his elbow. Pretty good year with him. Yeah, I mean, honestly, maybe just get. Like just do it again because this goes again again. It's uh and then him and like you mentioned before, him and Edwin Diaz mentioned in the new Bad Bunny album, one of the biggest pop stars on planet yes, Earth for Puerto Rican, loves baseball. Got the songs for you. Lindor was mentioned in Ronka Freestyle and Diaz in Nadie Sabe, which also had like Randy Rose Rain. I think there was nine baseball players mentioned throughout Bad Bunny's album, which yeah, your your boy Mike Trout got a mention, which is a little bit shocking to me. Didn't expect to see Mike Trout mentioned in a Bad Bunny album because Wait, what what are your feelings on him, James? Mike Trout? What my feelings on Mike Trout? I mean, my feelings on Mike Trout are just, I think, what what most baseball fans are with Mike Trout now. It's just a little bit annoyed. It's just a little bit frustrated that someone <laughs> who, just based on pure talent, could have been, you know, statistically, yeah, definitely one of the best players of a generation, but just has just receded and just been someone who more exists in the shadows than anything else. The big, the big conversation now that's been going around is Bryce Harper or Mike Trout, which I think is... yeah. Is crazy objectively, but I also think that like, yeah, statistically, like who was is who was the better baseball player? I think it's it's clear it was always Mike Trout. I think Mike Trout almost doubles Bryce Harper and more still, because Bryce Harper also just basically has chosen not to play defense for the majority of his career, which that's a tip the cap move. I respect it when you're one of the best hitters of your generation, the Golden Child, all that stuff, whatever. But I I had a great comp to it last night. I was just thinking about this, where it's like NBA wise, it's kind of like Curry versus Durant. Where like everyone knows mm, that Kevin what? Durant is a significantly better basketball player than Steph Curry, even though they're both incredible and like generational talents. But when you look at each of them, 
and it's a little different because Bryce Harper still has exactly zero World Series rings, and Steph Curry has about four <laughs> four championships or three championships still. I think four. So that part of it is still a little different, even though Harper has these amazing moments. But which is another thing that everyone loses in this conversation. Bryce Harper plays a lot in the postseason, but he still has never. Again, yeah. this could change in a week, but feels like it might. But he still has none. But I feel like that's kind of where it is. Like, who, whose career would you rather have? I'd probably rather be Bryce Harper than Mike Trout. I mean, you know me. I'm going to pick Trout. I've I've picked Trout for everything. Like, Trout has more MVPs. Trout has just as many World Series. Like, Harper Harper has, Harper, narratively speaking, has more moments that you can talk about because he has been in the postseason more. He's obviously a dog in the postseason. He's obviously a sick player. But Mike Trout is just miles away the better player. It's not even close. The fact that this is a conversation is incredibly frustrating because it just shows one, like, People are so nearsighted. Like, what is in front of my face exactly right now at the moment? That's the only thing thing I can think of. You're doing a little bit too with your Mike Trout slander. I want to let let that go either. But I, the, the the fact that people are having a conversation of who's had a better career, Bryce Harper or Mike Trout, it's not even close. It's not even close. Bryce Harper is sick. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. Mike Trout ends his career today. He goes down as one of the best baseball players ever. One of the best baseball players ever, but I think he'll just still kind of get lost in the shuffle a little bit. It's not really best. I'm not telling you he's no. best. I'm not telling you he's better. I'm telling you that he's just – Bryce Harper's had the more fun career. It's not even close. And there's a – Oh, Bryce Harper is more fun, which is crazy to say, but, like, he is more fun than Mike Trout, but that's what happens when you're from South Jersey, love the Phillies, and then decide to play for the Angels for the rest of your career. You know what else is more fun than Mike Trout? This tape measure right here. This tape measure is more fun than Mike Trout. Okay, I don't know about that. Hey. It's, more fun. it's more fun. Look at this. That's more fun than Mike Trout. <laughs> if those of you on the YouTube video getting real exciting, you uh, watching James know. use his tape measure. Mike Trout is like I don't even know. We talk about oatmeal sometimes. Like Mike Trout's like the best oatmeal ever. Like you know what he is. Like you make these really nice overnight oats. You put some maple syrup. You in love there. oatmeal. I know you need oatmeal, but I'm just saying it's like you're never you're never hopping out of bed for oatmeal. It's like that's just it. There was a a fun article too by Jordan Schusterman of Fox and Cespedes Barbecue. Cespedes Barbecue guys do great reporting in general. I'd like to shout say. out to them. Shout out those two guys, him and Jake Mintz, Jordan and Jake Mintz. Shout out Jake Mintz. Shout out Jake Mintz. Ran to Jake Mintz one time at a, what, a Gramercy bar. He was wearing a, a Carlos Correa Giants jersey. Yeah, which was- our friend Ernie went to the bathroom and was like, he came back running to me and James and he's like, guys, you got it. You got to see this. This dude online at the bathroom has a Carlos Correa Giants jersey. He comes back. I'm like, oh, Jake, what's up, man? Like, I know who this is. But he, Jordan wrote a great article. It just came out this morning, and it was about um, Harper always, always wanting to play on his birthday. And early in his career, he's done some bad Washington Nationals teams. He never got to play on his birthday because his birthday is October 16th. And yesterday, uh, you guys are listening to this Wednesday, so Monday he got to play on his birthday and hit a home run, like the third pitch he saw of it. Which I think was pretty cool. Yeah, he crushed it. He absolutely crushed it. Yeah, they're they're playing really, really well. Um, we'll talk about the Phillies postseason a little bit more here in a second. But like we said, we have a couple other little housekeeping things to talk about. Former Mets, former Mets managers. We were talking about Mike Trout too. Buck Showalter. There's an article. The Athletic, I believe, wrote it talking about it on some tweets. Buck Showalter might be going to the Angels. He, we know he says he doesn't want to stop managing, which that pretty much tracks with Buck. Uh, Angels, what do you think about that? He has a chance to maybe coach your favorite player there, James. I mean, because it could be a dynamic duo out there. I just I think it's interesting that the Angels owner was like, "This is this is what I want." He said he wants veteran presence. We know the Bucks veteran presence, and he wants like a steady hand for a team that's been tumultuous for the last yes what, 12, 15 years. 
Haven't really had any. Yeah, pretty much since Mike Trout got there. <laughs> yeah, since pretty much the whole time. And then Mike Trout still decided, you know, to sign that huge contract extension with them. He saw what was going on. He was like, yeah, let me. I want more of this. But maybe, the, maybe honestly, maybe that's what the, each of those two guys need. Just get get Mike because I, I want to see Mike Trout in the playoffs. I want to see Mike Trout succeed. He had the other best baseball player in the whole league playing with him for the last couple of years. They still could do nothing with that. And I don't know. I think I think it'd be fun to see Buck manage again. California Buck would be cool. We haven't seen Buck ever manage in California. Yeah. I think that'd be a fun vibe. And I don't know. I think I mean if it happens, that'd be pretty cool. Also, just in terms of our stuff, very slow. Our searches, no leaks, which I love. Nothing. The love fact there's nothing. The fact there's nothing to talk about is incredible. It says a lot. Awesome. Oh, no more. No more. No more. Nothing. There was a good tweet that went out um, on Monday. I think it was by Mark Healy, basically saying like live interesting names in the Mets search, and then people are like, "Do you have any names?" And he was like, "Live interesting. <laughs> one. I can say anything." <laughs> I was like, "That's awesome." I like Mark. Mark's a good guy. <laughs> but, um, it was just also cool to show where, like, I feel like where we've gone, where it's like nothing. Absolutely yes, nothing. the future and of what this organization is going to look like. It's also cool because I think we're seeing something happen now with the Red Sox that's probably giving some Mets fans deja vu from a few years ago where they let go of Bloom, which I think we mentioned either last episode or two episodes ago, a few years into what they said was going to be a pretty expansive rebuild. Basically did a lot of what he was intended to do, didn't really do some of what he intended to do, built up his farm system, shed a lot, shed the salary they wanted shed, and then he was let go with one of the best resumes for any executive in baseball history. And now I think that doing that, they're having issues getting people to actually come to the door and interview and take the job. There was another quote from an athletic article that said that the people who are qualified don't want it, and the people who want it, the Red Sox don't think are qualified, which I was like, that's Although- what? There is a new hat that's going to be thrown into the ring there because those of you keeping tabs on the National League East, it was a big news on Monday before all the baseball games that Kim Ng left the Marlins because they were reportedly intending to hire a president of baseball operations above her after she dragged that horrendous Marlins team to the postseason. Somehow, maybe the Red Sox, maybe the Red Sox. She did an incredible job, obviously, um, and it seems like she wants to be in charge and it seems like she deserves to be based on what she's shown thus far throughout her career and what she did with the Marlins, why not the Red Sox? No, shout out Kim Ming. That was a pretty pretty cool move by her to have taken that team where she took them and then them still come to her and say, hey, we we intend to hire someone above you. Do you want to keep your role as general manager and basically have a new boss? And she was like, no, I don't want to do that. Like I was, yeah. I was just the primary decision maker. We had their most successful season as a franchise. The third most successful season as a franchise in team history. And you don't, and you don't want to bring me back. Like that's a little bit ridiculous, but... Shout out to her. Like we've talked about it a few times, like what she did with that Marlins roster over the last few years was impressive. Having no resources and no money, building a bullpen from from the dirt to become one of the better ones in the National League. Even even without David Robertson contributing after the trade deadline, that was even just like, having <laughs> that be a miss. Still good process, but it's just still remarkable how they prepare the one run games. And then training for Jake Berger, we shout them out a few times, especially when we played them at the end of the year. Like he was along with Jordan Montgomery, like the quintessential acquisition for a win now team at the deadline like in like got in the middle of that order hit for power even hit for average and dragged them to the postseason so again good for her to not to not accept someone being hired over her like to know her worth she also if she doesn't wind up getting another one's executive jobs i know she worked for a long time in the league office that seems like probably like a, a shoe win for her to wait for the right opportunity or maybe she does become the central decision maker for the red sox one of the most famous popular wealthy teams in the league i know she is she was born in indiana but she grew up in Queens. And then she spent most of her formative time in New York, New Jersey, and I believe went to either Northwestern University of Chicago, one of those Chicago schools. So, I mean, big city gal, like I could definitely see this, um, 
her finding her way to that job. But I don't. I wouldn't really speculate on this more as Mets fans because she did just leave a position because she didn't want someone to work above her. Yeah. And we have a president of baseball operations now in David Stern. So it's a fun thing to fantasize about, but I don't, I don't think it's realistic in any way. Yeah. I mean, it, it seems unlikely given the situation that, like you said, she was like, I want to be in charge because I want to be number one. I want to be at the top. And she wasn't going to be with the Marlins. Uh, you know what else was interesting too? You see Trevor May or uh, our first ever Mets player guest on the Mets Up podcast all the way back before we were working with the team. Trevor May uh, called it quits. He's retiring and he's doing something really cool. He's going to play a year with the Savannah Bananas for which I'm sure all of you know about, but is a uh, independent baseball team that's kind of the Harlem Globetrotters of baseball, the easiest way to explain it. I've never been to one of their games. It looks like a ton of fun. Apparently, it's really affordable to go to. They get the fans involved. Everything's really cool with what they're doing in terms of independent baseball, kind of barnstorming, going around the country, playing games. Uh, but Trevor may play with them. That should be a really good pickup, too, because as we know, he's a content man, and the bananas are all about content, all about exposure, all about impressions. And a guy like Trevor May, who did a pretty good job of building a name for himself as a setup man, a seventh inning pitcher for most of his career. Um, and yet a lot of people know who he is. Uh, Trevor, also a friend of the podcast, like we said. So congrats to Trevor on a great career. And um, maybe we'll get him back on the podcast one day when he's, he's uh, you know, free this offseason. I love to. Also, shout out Trevor May for he had a rough first half this year, and he was especially especially the way that A's team was playing. But he had a little injury. Yeah. He went in the IL also for anxiety, and he was very open about dealing with that and like having it weigh on him. And then he came back in the second half, one five ERA, one point WHIP, great great second half, and glad to see him going out feeling good physically. So that was something we know he struggled with a lot, especially in the back half of his career. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And he had a pretty decent little career with the Mets too. A couple, couple good seasons in there, getting some big outs for us. And again, friend of the podcast. So, congrats to Trevor. Um, and then I think it's probably just about time to start talking about uh, the postseason a little bit here. I know the Mets have had some anniversaries. Monday was the fifty-fourth anniversary of the nineteen sixty-nine World Series, which, by the way, like crazy that they used to play the World Series that early in the year. I know there was way less postseason games, but it's nuts to think that like the the season could be over on October fifteenth. The NLC, the modern NLCS had not yet started when it was the 54th anniversary of 1969 <laughs> World Series ending. And Howie Rose had a great tweet about it. I think he tweeted the video to either either the entire game or just the last inning or the last out, basically just saying that that moment like changed his entire life. And you know, like this is such a Howie Rose thing, just the absolute Mets baseball historical trivia creature that he is. He had the time the game ended, 3.17 p.m. What time? 3.17? Imagine. Imagine like the World Series. It probably also started about one, so it was a two-hour, fifteen-minute game to end the World Series three set. You probably literally you had to stay home from school to watch the end of that game, the beginning of it. I was, uh, I like just about started eating lunch yesterday at about three seventeen. So that's crazy that I sat. It's a late lunch. It's a late lunch. I understand, but the game was over before I theoretically even had my lunch yet. When you say lunch, are you just calling it lunch because of what you're eating, what time you're eating? But what what number meal was it in your day? Oh, it's it's number one. I mean, so that's, but like that's breakfast, <laughs> breakfast. That's breakfast. But it's not breakfast because like you can't you can't have like a burger for breakfast. Can you no, do that? You can because you know, you know, you ever listen to the word breakfast? You know what that means? You're breaking your fast. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I never that, I never broke it down like yeah, that. It doesn't mean just eggs. It just means like this is the first time I'm eating and I haven't <laughs> eaten in a while. That's just like Saturday. You had breakfast. What? You had chicken wings and french fries. What was that? Four o'clock? Four thirty? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was it. Four thirty. Good chicken wings. Good. Great French fries. Great yeah. French fries. Shout out Carlos. But um, yeah, I mean, those great. And also uh, Monday, Monday, Monday was the anniversary. 
Yo, Tuesday. Tuesday of the yes. anniversary of the Grand Slam single, Robin Ventura, which was a great moment. Yes, too. yes. Yeah, we have to play with the dates in our head because technically we're yeah. recording this on Tuesday morning. You guys are going to hear this on Wednesday morning. Yesterday was Monday. A lot of different days going on there. You know what doesn't change, though? The fact that the Braves choked it again <laughs> and smell you later. Welcome to the couch, you losers. Oh, I've been waiting all week to talk about how the Braves just choked it again, how Ronald Acuna theoretically still has not even played in the World Series game. Do you see the clip of Brian Snicker, by the way? Did you no. see that? Mm-mm, they're not. You, oh, my God. They like. I think maybe when they celebrated clinching in uh, Philly, oh, which I, is yeah. also so funny that they celebrated in, in Philly and then the Phillies knocked them out. Only time I'm ever going to root for that team is when they're playing the Braves. But he told Ronald Acuna, you're going to get to play in a World Series. No, you're not. No, you're not, Ronald. You didn't even get to play in the NLCS. And the only time that this that Ronald Acuna's even played in the NLCS was the fake season, 2020. Yeah. It's the only time it's ever happened. It's, I don't know, probably a star to start a dialogue. It was weird. We talked to you guys about this last week, but just being diehard Philly fans for a week was bizarre. Um, high-fiving people so at weird. bars, like shouting, yeah, being like, yeah, I can't wait. Can't wait for Bryce Harper and Alec Bohm to come to the plate. Can't wait. Yeah, I can't wait to watch Aaron Nola shove here. But it's just, it's this Braves thing. It's it's such a catastrophe and such a shame that they completely lucked their way into that 2021 World Series. They, I mean, we know it was all because there was no Ronald Acuna. There was no, there was no big egos in that clubhouse like he has, like, you know, sucking, no. sucking, the, sucking the fun out of everybody, not, you know, playing as a team. It's, it's an issue. Definitely, he is still there. Like, maybe they fix that next couple of years. They, they get rid of Acuna to get back to winning. It's possible if they actually care I about mean, they still had. They still had their on-field leader in Freddie Freeman who they let yeah. go, and ever since really? then haven't been able to win a World Series. So, you know. Since then, they haven't even been able to win more than one NLDS game. They, yeah, they haven't won yeah. a series, a playoff series, since Freddie Freeman walked out of that building. Just saying. They, um, I, it's funny. Like we are, we are, we are having a lot of fun here. We're, we're poking some fun, but it probably is a bit of a moment to start a dialogue, especially when this team, they have like a red carpet celebration when they're leaving home to go to Philadelphia for the first round of the postseason, like. What are you guys doing? Like, what are you, what are you thinking? Like, are you, this team, first of all, just completely in the Phillies, destroyed you last season. Absolutely pants you in front of the entire world after you pretended you won the World Series because you caught the Mets to the division. So congratulations. Last year, 2022, the record books will say the Mets, Mets and Braves won the same amount of postseason games because it's true. It happened. And they tied, they what, ended with the same one-game difference regular season record? Uh, the Mets technically, I think, lost one more game. Yeah. Nevertheless, does not matter. But we'll never, I'll never, I'll never get over that one. But no, we we lost one less. We technically had a better win percentage. We only lost two. They lost three in the postseason. There it is. They didn't beat us. We just ran out of time. And then you get the same team again. You look overmatched in your first two games at home, and you still follow through with a red carpet celebration where you have your players dress up in nice clothes and bring their families and walk down the street and get onto a bus to go to a plane to then lose two more games to a bitter rival. It's it's so funny. Also, just the 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 coalition of Mets fans that were like involved in this series. I think a lot of us were just by nature rooting for the Phillies instead of the Braves, which is really funny because even it felt like yeah, the Phillies have had a better chance to win the world series. Anyway, they're better roster is better built for the postseason. They have a better bullpen. They have better starting pitching. Their starting pitchers aren't, um, I don't know. Whiners, even though I, I do say that yeah, they're not fun, but we, we make a lot of fun of Spencer Strider in the show and his bad postseason record, but he did have probably the best quotes in the entire team. After they lost that game, talking about accountability, saying they weren't good enough, saying they didn't do enough, saying that they probably got ahead of themselves a little bit, which I guess having that in hindsight is something, but 
after he said that there shouldn't be fans at baseball games, like he had to walk back his comments and say something else. <laughs> yep. But just it was so much fun to watch them lose and cry and whine. And it was it again, it just shows how bad of a season we had. But this was this was our this was our baseball watching Super Bowl of 2023. The Braves were a team that looked relatively inhuman unhuman inhuman the the entire season they pretty much just dominate everybody they played Bryce Elder was pitching out of his mind like anything that could have gone right for the Braves this year Ozzy Albies played well and we know that guy's overrated he's really not that good everything that could have gone right for this Braves team went right and then the postseason happened they popped off a little bit too much for in the NL East we saw that we've seen Take a, take a page out of the Astros book I know they're losing to the Rangers right now but that was a team that's been there before that's act like they've been there the Braves acted like this is the first time that they made the postseason in years. They acted like they've never been there. They, I mean, they were just, they were celebrating the small things. They didn't keep their eye on the prize. They got smacked by the Phillies. They were worried about too much noise on and off the field. They were worried about Attaboy Harper from Orlando Arcia. Orlando Arcia completely, completely just killed this Braves team, by the way. I think you want to talk about anybody. Orlando Arcia, the guy who somehow made the all-star team over Francisco Lindor, which is one of the biggest crimes, honestly, of the 2023 season, the fact that that guy made the all-star team over Francisco Lindor after doing, like, baby faces to the Phillies fans and then losing and getting knocked out. Talk about a more embarrassing moment for a guy who really should just be thankful he was on an MLB roster even to start the year, considering how bad his career went at some point. It is impressive to see that this, this almighty Braves team all of a sudden, things got a little bit tough, and everybody started pointing fingers. Well, you know, the reporters in the clubhouse shouldn't have said that. The clubhouse is a is a sanctuary. It's a safe place. That wasn't meant to get out. I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing that the Braves just completely crumbled in one of their bigger moments. It's just amazing how much of what happened to the Braves is everybody else's fault. You started with the yeah. format, which is wrong, because if the way that format <laughs> yeah, so worked wrong. for the Phillies, they should have had four out of five games in the postseason series started by either Spencer Strider or Max Fried. And also, I want to talk about Max Fried a little bit, because I've, I've gotten my Max Fried soapbox a few times. People in the baseball world think that Max Fried is this type of world beater, ascending. Sandy pitcher. Koufax. He's actually, he's, I, I've been saying this for years. I, got, I When Max Fried came up, I liked him a lot because he was unheralded, underrated, came from a high draft pick, and then kind of battled his way through the minor leagues, developed some new pitches, and found his way to be a really good major league regular. But he literally won that one ring. Didn't even pitch that well that postseason. And people just think he's this, like, godlike figure. He, he's got almost a five-career ERA in the postseason. He's really, again, one of the most overrated pitchers in baseball. I said all year, I said to you, and you were like, ah, don't nope. say it, don't say it. This team is just not built to win in October because they went through the same thing they were built as last year. Their hitters got cold at the same time. Ronald Acuna absolutely turtled when it mattered most. Oh, yeah. Marcelo Zuna turtled when it mattered most. Like the, Matt Olson. Matt Olson had nothing when it mattered most. And that's just it. They lost to a team that was better, wanted it more, and is, again, more well-equipped to win the series. I don't know how the Braves could have gone through this whole offseason looking at the exact same roster they lost to the year before and been like, yeah, we'll do it, we'll do it again. Well, that's, we don't have to change anything. Was also kind of crazy to me that how little they played Sean Murphy. Like, I know Travis Darnot has been pretty solid, but the fact that Sean Murphy played, I think, in one, maybe two games, is kind of, kind of insane. Um, not really. He had, like, basically a 500 OPS the whole second half. He's just, I mean, still at the end of the day, like, we, but second half he had that kind of OPS. Ronald Acuna was so hot and he was ice cold. It's almost oh, like that... Wrong. At some point, you just got to play the better guy. And Travis Darno is not better than Sean Murphy. No world. Especially when the Phillies were running all over Travis Darno, which, thank point. goodness, because 
We saw that for years with the Mets where that guy couldn't throw out a base runner to save his life. And it seems like everybody else forgot as soon as he went to the Braves. Like, oh, Travis Darno is different. He's on the Braves. Phillies were like, no, this guy still got a noodle arm and they ran all over him. I have found myself a few times in the last week kind of trapped in um in 2015 postseason postseason like compilation mm-hmm. wormholes. Travis Darno had a heck of a postseason that year for the Mets. He, he was awesome. Was, he was really instrumental in that run and like getting through those first couple series and get, actually getting to the World yeah. Series. Again, like I know well for Travis Darno. He was like kind of the gatekeeper a lot with Garcia comments, which was a little frustrating, but I think you kind of have to be as a player in that situation. But it also just goes to show, like back to those Garcia comments, like you just won one game in the NLDS and you're screaming and hooting and hollering after you literally Ooh. saved your season by the skin of your teeth and a home game. You already blew home field advantage. Dude, this is like when um when the Yankees played the Red Sox. Remember, and Aaron Judge started playing like the music in Fenway York, York. for winning one game. It's like it when baseball, like in August. When will they learn? When will they learn that your actions have consequences? You can't. Don't don't wake. Don't poke the bear. Don't poke the bear. They poked the bear and they got mauled by him. No, and honestly, they, they, the Braves themselves got mauled in this series. Yeah, and it really just goes to show that, like the thing, what happens in the regular season. And again, people are talking about the playoff format. Sure, it doesn't matter. doesn't matter. And even like the phrase getting hot at the right time, that barely even matters. I told you guys that I think the Diamondbacks scored four runs in their last four regular season games or five runs in the last six regular season games, something like that. And all of a sudden, they come to the postseason just start hitting home runs. The Texas Rangers are the coldest team in baseball in the second, most of the second half, and they have yet to lose a postseason game. Like It's really just about like turning, flipping that switch when it matters the most. I have it in a tweet from last week, but here we go. The last... 12 teams to reach the LCS series. You hear their win totals. 90, 84, 90, 90, 106, 99, 89, 87, 106, 95, 92, 88. So five of 12 teams had more than 90 wins in the last yeah. four years, last three years to reach the LCS series. Doesn't matter. It's just, yeah, the, the whole postseason um, playoff format being broken is just such a crybaby thing. Like, against the Astros. The format was so good for the Phillies. It was so good for You mean them. so good for the Braves? Braves, for the Braves, for the Braves, I meant. Sorry. Uh-huh. It was all, I mean, it was good for the Phillies, too, because they have two aces. But, you know, they also had to start Ranger Suarez twice. Ranger in Suarez two played, games! Ranger Suarez beat Spencer Strider twice in a series. Again, and that's also, like, there's the whole Spencer Strider conversation has really gone off the rails. Because, and, again, I'm not going to say, like... He is he's so a great good. pitcher. He's so good. The things he's super good at. He is so good at getting strikeouts. He's so good at getting swings and misses, but he's been so inflated ba- based on a lot of like, I'm not going to call it analytics because not even analytics. It's more of just the fantasy baseball community community. I'm proudly a part of, and I love to, to, <laughs> to the bottom of my heart, but just the fact that like he is theoretically the best pitcher in baseball because he has the most strikeouts and he has like the best XFIP and the best potential. Like he, he has the best potential to have like that phenomenal season where he puts together like a two, two with 300 strikeouts. And he's amazing. But at the end of the day, he still has only two pitches. And when you're in a playoff game against an amazing lineup, especially lineup that's filled filled with lefties and the guy like Spencer Strider throws, like I think this year he got a set of career high with 10%, 11% changeups predominantly against lefties. When Bryce Harper's seen you twice in a week, like how many, like are you really going to fool him with a changeup? You're going to, like, you know, he can hit 99 at the top of the zone. That's not an issue for him. Like, if you, unless you could really pick that spot, that one spot that Bryce Harper really can't hit, which is like high and outside, quite literally on the black, the only thing he really can't do. Like, how many times can you really get through a lineup and get these guys out? Now you're the ace. He did go deep into the first game where he didn't pitch that well. He got to seven innings, but like, how much can he really give you, especially as a guy who, 
as good as he is, as talented as he is, as theoretically amazing as he is, at the fact he's going to be SP1 every fantasy draft next year, maybe besides Garrett Cole because he's still, he's still a horse, how, how much can he really give you? Because he's not really preventing runs, and this team already seen him, and they have half the lineup are lefties, and they're, all the lefties are pretty good. That's actually such a good point, too, because we've now seen in the Rangers series a guy like Nathan Nivaldi who crawled into the end of the season. I mean, looked about as dead as a doornail. The guy was just like, I, I'm my fantasy team in Dynasty. I'm like, what am I going to I got to get rid of this guy. I don't want him. Like, his arm looks dead. But then he gets to the postseason. He's such a dog in the postseason, complete opposite of Spencer Strider. He wants the ball. He wants to pitch. He's going to beat you, unlike Spencer Strider, who is, I think, has like a 5-4 ERA in the postseason, hasn't won a game. Regardless... He's got so many pitches. He's been using that splitter. He's got the fastball, the cutter, the slider, the changeup. He, like the Rangers this postseason in particular, have done something that a lot of teams haven't been doing as much, which is their pitchers have really, really thrown all their pitches evenly across the games. And I think you made a really good point there where you've seen Spencer Strider twice in five days. You know what his pitches are. You've seen them. If you've played baseball ever before, you see a guy once, you see him a second time, you feel more and more comfortable, especially if it's in such a short time period. A guy like Nathan Nivaldi, who his stuff is not as good as Spencer Strider. I never will say that. But the ability to have those different pitches makes it just a little bit harder for those Astros hitters who now have to guess on three more pitches rather than is it fastball, is it slider. Another thing that Nivaldi did yesterday, especially that was cool, he just basically said, and it got him to trouble a little bit, because the middle of that game, the Astros did get close to winning. And yeah. again, he, he probably threw far far too many strikes. Jordan Alvarez, even one strike is too many strikes. He has, what, six home runs now in, in six postseason games? But Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about Jordan in a yeah. second, because he's crazy. Yavaldi, those first couple innings, he wasn't missing any bats. He was just basically telling the Astros hitters. I think he had, I think it was three whiffs or four whiffs in the first three innings. And then he wound up getting, getting 14. Like when he was really getting out of his jams late, he was then going out of his zone. But he was rocking his zone rave almost 70% through the first few innings. I think they mentioned in the Fox broadcast. And especially his splitter. The splitter is a pitch that, like league wide, the average rate that pitch comes in the zone is probably around 30%. He threw it almost 50% in the zone yesterday. And like he was just putting that pitch there. He was like, if you guys want to hit it, just hit it. Like, just yeah. hit the ball. Like, this is the postseason. Like, I'm not going to nibble. I'm not going to play any games. Big reason for that, too, is the team spotted them four runs on top of the first inning, of course. It leaves you the strategy to do that. But he said, you know what? I'm just going to dog you. I'm going to throw these pitches in the strike zone. If you can't hit them, you can't hit them. And he threw. Because, like, I think – I don't know if you even look at those stats. You can just feel it watching the game, the baseball acumen. But all four pitches he had, he threw at least 15% of the time. And his fastball, cutter, and splitter all threw at least 25% of the time. Yeah. Splitter being the most thrown pitch of the game. And it was sitting 89 as a splitter. He just he just goes out and he's like I'm just gonna throw I'm gonna pitch and it feel it felt like the opposite even when Freed pitched that game he only got to pitch one game in the in the uh, Phillies Brave series it was so much nibbling it was so much curveball 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 I don't want to get hurt I don't want to get hurt I don't want to get hurt and again having a full run lead in top of the first inning that is a big change of strategy I'm sure they talked about that internally shout out Mike Maddox long time great pitching coach with that Rangers team I've heard Greg talk this year about that he spent some time with him too just being like I want to help my brother a little bit king of throwing pitches in the zone never waste a pitch never ever waste a pitch especially a guy like nathan navaldi where every pitch is precious we don't know we yeah. don't know when that thing's gonna snap like he basically like you said barely got through the season like we can't like we can't like i don't want to waste pitches here because this team also doesn't have really a lot of depth in starting pitching relief pitching anything every pitch is valuable we can't spend the fifth inning waiting around and getting to 100 pitches and seeing how we get through the rest of this game yeah Rangers ended that game yesterday. They basically had nothing left. They had no one left to pitch. Really. Nothing. Like, if the Astros would have scored one more run, that would have been it because they had nothing <laughs> left there. Like the amount of guys they went through, like every single trusted guy. And it was like Boris, Spores, Chapman, LeClerc. And like LeClerc went like, 24 pitches. Like he had like six more pitches left total. 
Like Chapman's and he pitched the night like, before. Yeah, Chapman's right there. Like, stop, get out, get out, get out, get out. Get out. You can't do this again. But I don't know. It's just it was a, it's good baseball being played right now. But it's such a difference in philosophy between what the Braves pitchers try to do and what we've seen the Rangers pitchers doing so far, and Astros and Phillies. I think it's also really. I, I want to bring up too. Like we talked about not nibbling, attacking batters, not getting swings and misses, but still having that success. Look at what Justin Verlander even did in game one. Yes, they lost 2 nothing to the Rangers, but Verlander, I think, up until the sixth inning, like did not have a swing and miss, did not have a swing and miss in that game. And he still was extremely effective and like not rubbing salt in Mets fans' wounds here. We're, we, we're with you guys. Like It's great when he was here. Wish he was doing this for us rather than the Astros. But smart organizations, Rangers, Astros, Phillies, whatever. There's like a clear plan that they have all had. Even Zach Wheeler, like Zach Wheeler looked great. He's got some crazy stuff, but he attacks. He attacks the zone. He's like, you're not going to hit me. You're not going to be better than me. Come come hit it. These are all things that you've seen that the Braves pitchers weren't able to do. And it's just impressive. Also, shout out Nathan Valdi, one of the best postseason pitchers of our generation. Literally, and I, I want to get into Zach Wheeler's soapbox again for a second because Mark knows that this is like one of my biggest um Hey, me too. Things. This is, this is it's gonna be different because I do think that there is like I like again I think that most Mets content creators basically say the same things over and over again and the one thing is like oh my god I can't believe Zach Wheeler left which is true We're, we said it last week I get it but he's now in the range where he's basically become and like you might think I'm crazy for this and it could change a lot in a week but Zach Wheeler has become one of the best postseason pitchers that we've, we're ever gonna see in our lives he I mean what are his numbers now, he has the lowest whip in postseason history with more than four the innings whoa okay yes. you know who he's better than. This this is my soapbox thing, Mister Unanimous Mariano Rivera, who I st- I'll never oh, I'll never, wow. never get over that. I'll never respect the Hall of Fame again. Lower whip wow. than Mariano Rivera in the postseason. Wow, it's- Zach Wheeler's thrown fifty four innings in the postseason. Yes, he is a marvel. He's incredible, and he, I don't think he gets like the generational respect that he should be given for being one of the best postseason pitchers ever. The entire history of the game, the stats back it up. If he Again, a lot of guys' legacies will change with one championship, especially a lot of yes. guys in Philly's team, namely Harper and Wheeler. And you know who else? You know who else, too? I almost fired this tweet off last night, but I was going to save it because I want to wait for a bigger game. Kimbrell. Kimbrell gets another Ooh. one. Bonafide Hall of Famer. I, he, <laughs> he has my vote straight to the bank. He, like, absolutely no question about it. I was talking to a Phillies fan about it before. And it's just like, that, like a lot of legacy changes when you get one, Like, and, and it should, because winning a World Series is very important compared to not winning a World Series. But... A lot of things are happening for these teams right now. And then you look back at that Braves team just whimpering and whining and complaining about every single thing that happened outside of their control. When in their control, they had baseball games to win. They couldn't do it. Yeah. I Even mean, that last game, game four in that series, the Phillies yeah. threw every single thing in them. The whole kitchen sink, we were what we were watching. And <laughs> Williamsburg was freaking out because they had no pitchers left. And then even when the season is completely on the line, when things are absolutely back against the wall, who do the Braves have hitting the best lineup we've ever seen in our lives? Kevin Pillar, Mets legend, and Vaughn Grissom, future left fielder. Yeah. Like, that is who you have up. Vaughn Grissom hasn't had that bad in months. Why yeah. is he hitting right now? I understand, like, you're trying to get every change you can, get the platoon advantages early in the game, but then you come to the end of it and you've left that situation for your ball club. It's unbelievable. No, it's, uh, listen, it's not. Not the best thing that's happened this year, but the Braves getting knocked out this early the way that they did, being embarrassed on the national stage. Brings a smile to my face. Brings a smile to my face, especially because, like, you know, it's just, it's just nice. It's just nice in the year that didn't go our way. That doesn't go their way either. I would really hope, though, that the Diamondbacks can can do us a big favor here. Go Snakes! I'm going to be heading out to uh, Arizona on Thursday to go see the Diamondbacks versus Phillies with 
James, a friend and friend of mine, Dalton. Shout out Dalton. Thanks for letting me sleep on your couch. Um, but yeah, excited to go out to Arizona to go see the Snakes. Did not win game one. Zach Allen didn't look great. That's not that's not good. It's not good. They need him. But they did they did bring it back a little bit there where they it ended up being a 5-3 game. Um, would be great if they could knock the Phillies out, though, because I'd love to see a World Series that does not involve anybody from the NL East, not name the Mets. No, but every year a team from the NL East goes to the World Series. So what are you going to do? But yeah, it just it just it felt like those two teams were on different playing fields last night from the yeah, first. I think, was the, I think it was the first pitch of the game. Zach Allen threw 93 over the middle to Kyle Schwarber and he hit a million feet. So I was like, all right, <laughs> yeah. there goes that one. I like, I, I was like, I love Gallon because Gallon's such like a student of pitching and he's like not a big guy. He doesn't throw hard. He has really good shapes in all of his pitches. So he's kind of like this. He's like a little bit of, he's, he's, you know what he is. He's very, he's very Aranola, but he throws fastballs instead, mm-hmm. of, instead of sinkers and cutters. Like that's probably why I like him so much. He's such a field pitcher, but it's just to see him get overmatched like that, like, the whole season's on the line of Merrill Kelly now tonight. You guys will know the results of it by now, but just those that top of the order and the whole year was just kind of waiting for Kyle Schwarber and Trey Turner and Bryce Harper to all turn it on. Philly's basically spent 70% of the season with not even three of those guys not clicking together, almost never two. And now that yeah. it's all three, it's just like, I don't Gary. really know. How, I don't know what to do about them. I don't, there's really no solution. That's as good of a top three as you're ever going to see in the league. And they proved it. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I think this will be the last time in, in this episode, at least, that I'll praise the Phillies here. But their vibes are absolutely immaculate. I will say, did notice Garrett Stubbs saying "f the Mets" after the NLDS. Which, listen, he, he they can say what they want. They're there. They're winning games. But uh, you know, maybe some bulletin board material that could be used for the 2024 season, especially coming from Garrett Stubbs, who is. A backup catcher, I think. I yeah, think that's what position he plays. He's not really. He's not like a mainstay in the Philadelphia Phillies. Garrett Stubbs isn't like you know. He hasn't. I don't think he's been there very long either. But um, it's just fun to hear that we're on their mind still. You know, it's just kind of like yeah, yeah, they're still thinking about us. Still just, thinking about the Mets. <laughs> yeah. Also, just, just super shout out like the, the infrastructures they built there. Like John Middleton is an owner who loves winning. He had a quote from June when the team wasn't playing very well when he said, "As far as I'm concerned, the only reason to own a sports team is to win." And nobody gives a rat's a word. Shout out Vito. Whether I make money or not. They just care as fans about winning. He said that in June. And then when they win the NLDS, he is pouring beer on himself in the locker room. <laughs> and he's in the crowd cheering, like in Citizens Bank, like in, like behind home plate, which is like. He was throwing out balls, right? I think he was throwing out balls to the just fans. Ha- just having a hell of a time. He's just, yeah, having, just I mean, enjoying himself. Winning is fun. Like you said, oh, people only, fans only care about winning. And like, I mean, shout out to the Mets. We're trying their best. We're spending money just like every other team that's doing well this year, which is also cool to see that the teams are spent that are spending money are pretty much the most successful teams this year, which is good because when baseball is spending money, it's a better sport. It took a while to get back around to that point, but now we are in a spot where three of the four teams left are all, I think, in the top seven or eight in payroll. Yeah, I mean, we saw the Rangers spend a ton of money on their their middle infield in Seager and Simeon alone like that, and then, you know, a couple pitchers that we also know of too. I guess we'll close with this discussion. Quick little five minutes. We can get Vito out of here, but... We talk a lot about the Rangers and how good they are. Every puff piece right now is going on about, you know, the manager, Bruce yeah. Bochy, steadying the ship. And Bruce Bochy has done a great job as a manager, especially for a team that completely looked like they were falling apart in the second half. Up until the second week of September, it felt like they were going to miss the playoffs. They had an eight-game losing streak in the second half, and they mixed in with, like, seven straight series they didn't win, which, of course, was broken by the Mets. That was still then followed by another series loss to the Twins and then a sweep at the hands of the Astros to drop them to, like, their season low of 76 and 64 after they get – Lost another game to the A's after that, and it felt like everything was falling apart. And then, again, this is credit. I'll give some credit to Bruce Bochy because then they did wind up going to Seattle, sweeping them in a series that changed the whole season. Like, if that goes the other way, like, this could be the Seattle Mariners in this spot, not the Texas Rangers. But 
for a team like the Rangers that went out, spent a ton of money, both on their internal processes and the players on the field, giving the what 500 mil to Semyon and Seager, who are both lights out. Seager himself had generational season going out and getting Jordan Montgomery at the deadline, even after acquiring Max Scherzer from the Mets being like, no, it's not enough. We still need another pitcher. Letting rid of letting lose Cole Raggins, who wound up being one of the most, the marquee pitchers the entire second half. Like if they had him, they'd be steamrolling everybody right now, <laughs> which is really funny to think about. And then also we've talked about in the past, like hired Darren William, the, the curator, the creator of baseball savant to run their player development, hiring Donnie Ecker from the giants to be their hitting coordinator. Now he's their bench coach. Just the, the Greek God of barrels can, he's got this entire lineup, like every single moment, just hitting the crap out of the ball. Jonah Heim is a world beater. He, got, yeah. he was a guy who was swung a pool noodle for the first few years of his career. If you guys want to talk about like um, how much coaching can really help a guy, it's great to see a team that had a plan, execute it, and if the, the plan really worked and Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer were healthy right now, they would be a juggernaut of all juggernauts with no one even close to getting in their way. Yeah, as someone who's uh, rooting for the uh, Rangers in the series, just because I, I like their vibes, like their feel. We've seen the Astros plenty of times, and that's fine. Yeah, it's going to be funny to see Max Scherzer break my heart again when he gets, he's going to get smoked in game three. I know it's going to happen. I don't think he's going to use him as a traditional starter. They haven't really, they've been kind of tight-lipped about it. I think he's going to be more of a weapon than a starter, which I think that would be better for him right now because I just, I don't know. If Jose Altuve sees a 92-mile-an-hour fastball float across the top of the zone, he's probably going to hit it really far. Fjordan Alvarez sees a 92-mile-an-hour fastball. That guy's literally playing out of his mind. It's it's super tough to talk about him in terms of the best players of baseball because he is just a DH at the end of the day. But in terms of sheer hitting, is is he the best hitter in baseball? Um, it's hard for me to not even still say Judge after last season just because it was that good. But like I think he's definitely one or two between those two guys. Yeah. I don't want a lefty. I'm taking Jordan. Yeah, he's definitely the best left-handed hitter in baseball. Like he's so crazy. Even the second home run he hit off a of Chapman, which couldn't happen to a better guy. <sighs> Like the fact it wasn't even a bad pitch. It was like low and outside and he just hooked it 380 feet to right field. Like he is so incredibly strong. He's played. He had a flu game and he hit two home runs, flu game, two home runs from Jordan Alvarez. They still lost. So it doesn't really matter, but he's so good. That was a big glaze piece this morning on the athletic. There was like Jordan Alvarez dragging the Astros with a, with an upset stomach where it's like they're, they're down, they're down two out. So I don't know, but also shout out Nick Castellanos, the second player in the history of baseball to have five home runs in a three game postseason span. Yeah, he's he's been on fire. He's been been great. Uh, we got a lot of baseball left. Obviously, NLCS, ALCS, two game or one game for the NLCS, two games in the ALCS tonight. Or when you guys are listening to this, you'll know what the series looks like uh, in terms of game two for the NLCS. Go Snakes! Also, uh, shout out our friend Ernie's doorman, Eric. Right, James? Eric, I think you had a yeah. little run in. Yeah, I mean, just always loves the podcast. Went went in to go hang out with friend Ernie, watch some football, and he was like, "Hey, man." Best. He either said favorite podcast ever, like best podcast in the world. And I was like, nice. That's really awesome. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, Sunday morning. That's really great. Thank you. So shout out Eric. And uh, anything else to talk about here or is it time to wrap it up? I think we got them all. It's a, what was that? Clean 45? I like it. Clean 45. Go Snakes. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for watching. Uh, so follow us on our social media at MetsUp on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Subscribe to the New York Mets YouTube channel so you can see the video version of this. Uh, if you're listening, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Odyssey, drop us a rating, drop us a review, download, and subscribe. Follow James on Twitter at James underscore Shiano and me giraffe Mark with a C. Thank you guys for listening and watching and we will catch you next week for another episode of world series talk, I guess by then. So uh, yeah, see you guys. Bye. Peace out guys. See you next time.